0: and now veep thoughts by kamala harris because think about it yellow school buses are our nation's largest form of mass transit how about that every day? So, yes. And let's applaud because it gets somewhere they need to go. <laughs> and every day, then think about this in terms of the numbers every day in our country. More than 25 million children ride to and from school on our nation's fleet of school buses every day.
1: This has been Veep Thoughts
0: by Kamala Harris
2: do, does America. I hope you appreciate school buses now more than ever. You can see all of the Veep thoughts from our Kamala Harris. She's up at VeepThoughts.com blazetv.com TV.com slash stew is the place to go to subscribe to Blaze TV. if you use that promo code debunked you can get 20 bucks off your subscription right now this is from our special that we did on friday stew debunks gun myths it's one of the i think it's the biggest show we've ever done and that's because of you thank you so much for checking it out we know the second amendment is really really important and we need to protect it and that's why we did the special hopefully it's there for you to kind of refer back to whenever you get in an annoying argument with one of your friends of about guns and you can say no 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 this is the truth don't try that crap with me i know what's going on Uh, nba star jonathan isaac is going to be here uh, with us in a little bit to tell us why he stood up against blm Uh, we'll talk gas prices as well and that's kind of part of what we're going to do here as we start by doing biden's dying economy there's a new poll out today about inflation 28% of Americans approve of Joe Biden's handling of inflation. And you might say, gosh, how did he get that number so high? (laughs) And that would be completely an understandable instinct. What I thought was, is it possible that 28% of Americans don't know what the word inflation means? Because that's the only possible explanation why you would approve of what Joe Biden is doing. And what's hilarious about this poll is that 28% isn't his worst number. His worst number is actually gas prices, and that's at 27%. So there's 1% of people who are like, look, he's really screwed this up with gas prices, but inflation, you know, I think he's doing a pretty good job. What's fascinating about this is there's there's a way you handle crisis as a president of the United States. And you know, the masterclass in this honestly was Barack Obama. And what you do when you are coming out, you're in the middle of a a crisis, he's in the middle of a financial crisis, and we're now like three, four years in the financial crisis and everyone's like, gosh, aren't we supposed to bounce back at some point? Like, it wasn't, isn't this America? Like, we're supposed to come back after a recession, it's not supposed to last forever. And he would just continually say a version of this. Look, yeah, I know things suck right now, but Bush, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Remember that guy? Uh, he sucked. I'm doing the best I can with a bad hand, right? This is a terrible, terrible situation. I was, I inherited this from Bush, and it's Bush's fault. It's not mine. I could run this show until the year 2029, 2035, 2085, and it would still be Bush's fault. That's the way he handled it. It's not really the way Joe Biden is trying to handle this though. He's doing something completely different and it's perplexing to me. Watch Joe Biden try to talk to you about the state of the economy.
0: Part of the reason I ran for president is because I was tired of trickle down economics. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. My plans are to produce the strongest, fastest, most widespread economic recovery America has ever experienced. What? with record jobs, new record small businesses and wages rising. What are you talking about? It's the foundation for an economy that works for working families.
2: You don't believe that, do you?
0: Because of that foundation, we're better positioned than any country in the world to overcome global inflation that we're seeing and reach a new chapter of stable and steady growth. Are we? So let's come together and focus on what's matter, on what matters. On what's what? Let's build on the extraordinary progress we've made. Let's continue to build this economy from the bottom up and the middle out. When that happens, everybody does well, including the very wealthy.
2: Oh, you see, he cares so much about the very wealthy. He cares about everybody. Maybe not you, but he cares about everybody else. Let's put it that way. Uh, Did you get the tone of that, though? That tone wasn't, wow, we we were dealt a really bad hand and we're doing our best. I know it sucks right now. We'll get through it. But, you know, really, it was Trump's fault. That's not what he's doing there. He's just telling you it's great. Like he's just said, you know, this con- continual series of catastrophes around you all the time since I showed up into the, into the White House. All that's wonderful. Everything's going great. You can't imagine it being better. I mean, he really said it was the most widespread economic recovery American America has ever experienced. Does it feel like that to you? This is insanity. Here he is again. This is uh, from. I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence, it's from April 1st, but listen to this bizarre telling of our economic history.
0: Over the course of my presidency, our recovery has now created 7.9 million jobs. More jobs created over the first 14 months of any presidency in any term ever. And that's striking. Uh,
2: It is, it's like you've you've been struck in the head with a brick To believe that, that's, it's that kind of striking, but I don't think it's, I mean, does anybody believe that? You, you have to be insane to say that in front of somebody. Isn't there an internal part of you that says, oh gosh, this feels weird. I know I'm lying right now. Isn't there any part of you that has that? I mean, I, I know if you're ever like fibbing to someone, you're telling your kids something that's not 100% true. You have that weird twinge inside of you. It's like, I don't, I'm a little uncomfortable right now. Biden doesn't seem to have that whatsoever. To be able to say that in front of, uh, of 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 a of a crowd and to to a press that's supposed to be in theory skeptical of you, has got to be difficult to do. But he just powers right through it. He's got those Hunter Biden genes now, doesn't he? Um, this has been a bizarre, bizarre last couple of years, and. We were told sort of at the beginning that inflation wasn't real at all. And then we were told it was transitory and now we're told it's super duper transitory. Like it's transitory to the point of at some point, in the next 50 years, it might end. That's the transitory we're talking about now. And the gas prices thing has been something that has affected presidents forever. For I mean, I remember back in the George W. Bush presidency when his prices got a little high. Everyone started freaking out and it sunk his approval rating into the 20s. Uh, Barack Obama comes in. No one seems to care about gas prices again. Donald Trump leaves office with gas prices very, very low. And now they've gone up and up and up and... No one seems to really care. (laughs) I mean, uh, until recently, the media has not shown much interest in this at all. In fact, they were justifying the idea that it could never happen. I mean, look at this headline from the uh, this is from The Washington Post. Uh, Conservatives predict gas prices will spike under Biden. Experts say those fears are overblown. This is from late 2020, I believe. Is it uh, 2020? Yeah, November 12th. 2020. So, right after the election, people saying, oh, gosh, these Biden, uh, Biden is going to become president and and the gas prices are going to go crazy. Well, they seem to be right, though. That's not what the Washington Post was saying about at the time. They said it was a dubious meme. A dubious meme has emerged online in conservative circles. The price of gasoline will spike because Joe Biden is taking office. Do you believe it, boys and girls? Could you believe that anyone would think of such a thing? And yet here we are. And this has been a constant refrain from... Uh, Biden since he got in. It's not necessarily saying things used to be bad and we're sorry they're still bad, but they're getting better because I'm, you know, I'm a great president. It is a totally different thing. It's basically telling people what you see with your own eyes is not real. Don't believe your lying eyes. You remember this one from July, uh, planning a cookout this year? Catch up on the news. (laughs) According to the Farm Bureau, the cost of a 4th of July barbecue was down from last year. It's a fact you must have heard. (laughs) It's get it. Hot dog. The Biden economic plan is working, and that's something we can all relish. (laughs) Get it. Uh, By the way, they said the uh, cost of a July 4th picnic was down 16 cents. Year to year. And we were all supposed to celebrate that. But I want to direct you more specifically to the tweet itself when they said the Biden economic plan is working. And the evidence for that was a 16 cent drop in the July 4th barbecue. Now, we all know it went way, way up after that and was a complete embarrassment. But I guess this is what you're supposed to take. Then we have this one from the Democrats. Twenty seven point five million bottles of baby formula are coming from Australia to the United States. Thanks, President Biden. Yeah, you did it, big guy. You know, the thing we've all taken for granted that we can feed our infants. Wow. Some of people might continue to be able to do that. Because you took extreme uh, action and used a bunch of our money to make it happen after you blew up the entire market for this product and continue, by the way, uh, to eliminate the uh, the the overflow from other regions on Earth who are not having this problem at all. This is like an America, uh, America only. See, we're the best. Top of the list. Biggest baby formula shortage in the world. Congratulations everyone, we're setting all sorts of new records. And then we had this one, which was always fascinating to me, on gas prices. US a form, uh, regular, uh, regular all formations gas price uh, from again the Democrats who say, "Thanks, Joe Biden." And you see this chart and it goes from $3.40 over a 2-week period down to $3.38. A two cent drop per gallon and they zoomed way in on this map and they wanted to make sure you saw that two cent drop so we decided to do a little bit here a little a little bit to help the democrats people say we're not you know bipartisan we wanted to help the democrats here so we decided to make the entire chart for them and expanded a little bit. So here is the old school chart. This is what it used to look like. The two cent drop uh, for in November, um, back in November, 2021. And then we kind of followed it into the future. How did this wind up turning out, this prediction that it was Joe Biden's economic plan that was helping these gas prices? I mean, it looks kind of like this. Uh, it looks up a little bit. It's not exactly a straight line up, though. Uh, first of all, let's show you the period which the Democrats highlighted. There it is. That is your thanks, Joe Biden part of the graph. Let's see it right here. Thanks, Joe Biden. There it is. Yes. Look at that little sliver, the down two cent part of that graph. And since then, it's been up just a tad. It's so hard to see. And if you can see here as well, the Putin price hike. Now, remember, you know, they've been saying the Putin price hike forever. If you look at this chart, if you happen to be viewing on uh, on YouTube, I'll tweet this as well, at Studos America. But you can see there was a Putin price hike. The straight upward side of the mountain did go a little higher, a little faster, then came back to Earth and has been continuing to go up ever since. There was basically... No extended Putin price hike. It went up by a few cents over a couple of weeks, a little earlier than it would have uh, normally. But I mean, this is an embarrassment. This is an embarrassment. And everyone should know it's an embarrassment, including Joe Biden. You know, here's a guy who's supposed to be, I think, the leader of the party, a politically aware individual, and yet he just keeps pushing down this road where. Everyone in his administration must be saying, Joe, this is not working, but he keeps trying it anyway. Look, the truth is Joe Biden is old, old school. He's old. That's what I meant. to say. Sorry for the pause. He's old school. He has been around the block a few hundred billion times and he thinks he knows how all of this works. Democrats have been in office before and things have gone wrong before. There's nothing new about that. It seems to happen almost every single time. And Joe Biden knows every time a Democrat gets into office and does a bad job, the media is there to rescue them. After all, their goals are roughly the same, and even if they're not exactly aligned, we can always agree that those evil Republicans certainly cannot be allowed to control things. But here's the the thing, those are the old days. Part of this has to do with the rise of digital media and the fact that they've lost the stranglehold on information. But honestly, like while I would love to give Blaze TV the credit here, we can only do so much. We could do more, of course, if you'd like to subscribe, blazetv.com slash Stu, promo code DEBUNKED. That will save you 20 bucks and help us do our part. But Joe Biden's problem is not the Blaze. His problem is that the mainstream media are really good at spinning Democratic failure, but these people are not magicians. Joe Biden is simply too bad at this job. The media can spin you out of a little corruption. See Biden comma Hunter. They can make things that are going a little poorly, seem like big time wins, but they can't spin their way out of this. It's too noticeable. It's smacking people in the face every single day. When a family goes to fill their tanks at this California gas station and they see this 946 for regular, 976 for premium, and that premium's not even the full 93 octane, by the way. That's just 91. 976. When bread and eggs and meat and electricity and housing and transportation and everything else is up, 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 there's nowhere to run. There's nowhere to hide. The media can't run interference for your societal collapse. They're not Marvel superheroes. And yet Biden is out there saying things like, we've added more jobs than anybody in the past year than anyone in history. Do you really think people believe that? Everyone remembers COVID, Joe. Everyone remembers when people like you were actively telling them they couldn't go to work. Everyone remembers the old restaurant they used to love going uh, to get food on a weekend that is now closed down because people like you said no one could leave their house. Everyone remembers when business owners who tried to open up anyway were getting arrested for opening their doors. And people like you, Joe, were standing by and cheering it on. Comparing the job gains from the middle of the pandemic, which was caused by people like you destroying all of the jobs. This is not a winning argument. It is a desperate argument made by a desperate party looking at what must be and might be the biggest wave election in a generation. And it's Joe Biden saying, just stay the course. The media will have our back. Don't worry, guys. Well, they probably will. Have his back. But Joe Biden is such a bad president that it's not going to be enough. The left has built a structure of protection from the media that was supposed to survive any storm. It took Hurricane Joe Biden to finally destroy it. If it feels like you need a degree in grapes to find a great wine, I mean, because you can shop by label. You can try to remember what tannins are. Who knows? I don't know what that is. Uh, You could try First Leaf instead and let them do all the work for you. Uh, They make it simple to discover new wines you will love without the hit or miss. First Leaf samples over 10,000 wines a year from around the world and selects only the finest bottles. They take the time to learn what you like and then kind of what you don't as well. And make sure that they send you world-class wines tailored to your taste. My wife is a wine drinker. She likes the sweet wines. I don't know. They're almost, it's basically like wine combined with Kool-Aid. It's like, (laughs) that's the stuff that she likes. She likes the Moscatoes and the sweet Rieslings. And so when we order from First Leaf, they send us, Either some of those or things that are near the, those areas that she also really tends to like. And if you're not happy with a wine that you receive, First Leaf will credit you for another. It doesn't get any simpler than that. There's no risk to it. Sign up today and you'll get your first six bottles for twenty nine ninety five plus free shipping. Just go to tryfirstleaf.com slash stew. T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash stew. Get your first uh, get six bottles for twenty nine ninety five plus free shipping. Try firstleafcom slash stew. Try firstleafcom slash stew. The Orlando Magic's twenty three year old starting forward is deeply religious and proudly unvaccinated. The hole in Jonathan Isaac's logic is, it's solely about him. On Friday, Isaac got attention for choosing not to kneel in unison with his teammates, or to wear a Black Lives Matter shirt.
1: It's really not a good look, when you see all your teammates and coaches doing one thing and you're doing another, the, the moment was very hectic, but at the same time I had peace. I, I knew what I was standing for was dear to me. Um, I knew that, uh, you know, that to me that Jesus was the answer for everything that we see in the world, um, and I decided to stand on it. And you know, not everybody agreed with it. My name is Jonathan Isaac. I play for the Orlando Magic, and I'm writing a book with the Daily Wire.
2: Mm. Very cool. Uh, I'm now joined by Jonathan Isaac. He's an NBA basketball player with the Orlando Magic, of course, and author of Why I Stand, which is available now wherever you get your books. Make sure you pick it up right now. Jonathan, thanks for
1: coming on the program. Man, Stu, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, exciting to be here. Is it weird going through
2: this? I mean, because, you know, obviously you're a really talented athlete. You're you're, you're in the NBA. You'd expect some sort of attention on your career for, Mm -hmm. for those reasons. But, like, you've, you have now a, a totally different, a totally different uh, message to be able to push out there. Is it surprising that, that this all happened?
1: Yeah, I'm, uh, it's, it's been interesting. Yeah. Like just the, you know, kind of getting the book going, running around, doing all these interviews, meeting all these great, interesting people. It's, it's been fun. And yeah. so I've, I've, I've enjoyed myself.
2: Take me back to the first night you're there. The entire team, the entire league mm. is taking a knee. And you know this going in. This is not a surprise to you. Right. And you decide to go a totally different direction.
1: Why? Yeah. So there's so many like details that yeah. lead up to it. So many things like a backstory, um, and so you have to get the book Why I Stand in order to really get the 411. Um, but just a- around the time of obviously you know George Ford's tragic death, um, that was obviously you know wrong and horrible. What I tried my best to do was take a step back and kind of look within myself and say, what is the best way for me to respond? And everything started to get very heated leading up to the bubble. And we had a conversation with our team and the guy said that they were gonna decide to kneel in unison with the other teams who had already kneeled. And so the question came to me, what are you gonna do? And I say, guys, I'm not going to kneel and I'm not going to put that T-shirt on. And the reason I did it is because I I didn't see what they were doing at the Black Lives Matter movement or organization as what could truly heal what the world was going through at the time. And uh, when you take racism or all the different things that plague our society, they're heart issues, the things that need to be healed, not something that needs to be divided or going along with a narrative and so I just decided to stand up and say you know what I believe that the love of Jesus Christ the demonstration of love that Jesus demonstrated to all of us by dying on a cross for our sins um, and us all falling short of the glory of God is truly the message that can heal the world. So I decided to stand up and say it. Hmm, that's great. I, I,
2: now, you mentioned the T-shirt, which said Black Lives Matter. I'm right. going to take a wild guess and, and say that you do believe that Black Lives Matter. Yeah. So what was, why didn't you just, I mean, because you could have made a point about right. faith while kneeling and while while wearing the shirt. Why did you decide to go the other d- direction?
1: Well, I, I couldn't divorce the shirt or even the phrase black lives matter away from the the spirit of the movement and the Mm -hmm. way that it was going on i i felt that it was it was angry um it was bitter it was about revenge it was about getting even you know even to some degree and that's just a message that i couldn't i couldn't agree with um and so again it's so easy for us in moments like that to take that judgment role and to say you're wrong you're evil but we don't look at ourselves and so i believe that what the gospel does so great is it helps us to look at ourselves and say you know what if I want forgiveness for the things that I've done, I have to show forgiveness. I have to show mercy if I want mercy. And that's the way that God handles all of us with mercy, with care, with love. And so we have to be willing to demonstrate that to other people.
2: It's interesting because
1: I think a lot of people,
2: because of maybe the political alignment in the world, uh, people associate uh, people on the right and, and many people of faith with racism. Right. And that is the exact opposite message of the Bible of Christianity as a whole. I mean, it really is the most prominent uh, argument against racism that's ever been created. At least that's my view.
1: Right, that every person is made equally in the image of God. And and again, it's it's not to say that there aren't racist people. It's not to say that there aren't racist instances. but it's to say that, again, racism, it's a heart issue, and in order to um, overcome it, you need a weapon, and a weapon like love is ultimately what changes you know, a person's heart, and there's no greater love than the love of God, and so in the moment, again, in, in, in a moment that people deem as racist or anything like that, in that moment, it's like, how can we show love in this moment, show grace in this moment um, in order to move forward? Now, I mean, uh, really, the, the if you're living
2: a Christian life, you're fighting against this, right? You right, already exactly. It's already part, it's built into the faith, and, because of cultural reasons, I think people uh, wind up seeing this differently. I mean, I, is there a, because I, I, I've noticed this as, a, as I'm, a, I'm a, unlike Glenn Beck, I am a sports fan. And you notice this a lot where activities by athletes that are maybe not so positive, maybe, uh, you know, uh, not aligned with Christianity, get a lot of praise in the media, a lot of love on social media, where people like, you know, Tim Tebow, um, yourself, Get criticism for living to these standards.
1: What's the reason for that? Well, I just think it, it speaks to you know where our world is, and ultimately where um, what our culture is is acceptable of. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's unfortunate, but I think it definitely shows where we are. And and even just just backtrack a little bit. What was. The thing about the Black Lives Matter movement and what was going on, it was like, they made it seem like that was the only way that you can support black lives in this moment. Yeah. And and when I looked at myself and said, you know what, I've, I've been in ministry for, for two and a half years now, and I'm a part of a church, and I've seen people be cared for, um, uh, people of all different colors, but especially people that look like me. And I was saying, that's not the only way to support black lives, but in the moment they made it like it was. How hard is it, how much of this is part of a mob mentality? I mean, I think one of the things that I you know
2: I appreciate of, of the Christian faith is is there is you know they, they talk about this with socialism all the time. Well, socialists they want to they want to help people, right? They want to pull everybody's money together and help people. Mm. And my argument against that is it's not about society doing that, it's about you doing it, it's about your heart changing, it's about you making these moves to help other people. That is central to Christianity, but it sees people as individuals. And we've come to this point in the country where there's this battle between, do we view people as individuals, or do we view them them as part of a mob, part of a movement, part of a group, part of a collective? What's the right way to look at
1: that? Well, I think you're definitely right about seeing people as individuals. I, I think it's human nature. That in times of crisis, in times of you know, you know, great whatever, that we retreat into what's what's familiar, what's comfortable, what's tribal. So we people that look like us, people that want the same things as us, and it's easy to identify yourselves as a group for power. And so, uh, so yeah, I, I I think definitely seeing people as individuals and and as just people who are just trying to you know live out their life the way that they see fit is the right way to go. Um, and I think so much of you know, what's going on the league, the, the world is because of this group mentality and that, that, that being a, a fight for power.
2: Your book is called uh, "Why I Stand." Um, however, it's it's a plur- it really is a plural. <laughs> why, why are you standing <laughs> again. Often? Because you are not afraid to stand up for whatever you believe. That's something we used to certainly praise in this country. I mean, it's certainly the the foundation of the country, right? People who stood up and came here, uh, you know, in a took a risk to come over to mm. a new land, and that's kind of the way that that the, fa- the country was founded. You took another stand uh, as a player when. Everyone said you had to be vaccinated, and you made not a crazy, wild-eyed conspiracy argument, but a sensible, logical argument about your own personal situation that you decided not to do it. Why didn't you do it, and what was the reaction?
1: So, for me, honestly, it was an easy decision. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, looking at everything that was going on, it was easy for me to kind of discern, this thing is being forced. Like, there's so much fear that's going along with what's going on, Um, and for me, just looking at my situation, again, I'm young, I'm healthy. I have no comorbidities. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm in the best shape of my life. And I've already had COVID in the past. So I had learned a a bit about natural immunity. So I was like, this thing just isn't right for me. I, I don't see the wisdom in putting this into my body and still being able to contract the virus and pass it on anyway. So that's that. But then it was, you know, wanting to stand up for people who were losing their jobs and people who went from essential workers to being not essential anymore and um, to have people's religious and medical freedoms denied or exemptions denied. And I was like, you know what? I want to stand up on principle to be a voice for those people.
2: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. There's a real similarity between both of, of these incidents, right? Where there's a huge group of people saying you have to do one thing exactly. And, you know, behind it is something that, you know, you spoke about George Floyd and how tragic that was. Obviously, you know, no one wants to get COVID or pass it to somebody else. There's maybe a good motivation behind all of this stuff. But forcing people to do things against their will is really the problem here, isn't it?
1: Right. And I actually made that parallel in mm-hmm. the book about the, the, the feeling of those moments of standing in the bubble and then not getting the vaccine. I felt the same kind of parallel um, or ideology behind the scenes of both movements where it was like, we know the right thing to do in the situation and if you don't do exactly what we say, then you're yeah. evil. Um, and you don't care about the people that are around you and they've been drummed up to be moral arguments instead of just people having different opinions. And so, uh, yeah. So was it, in these moments, is it
2: scary or is it empowering?
1: Uh, I'd say both. <laughs> uh, de Definitely, so uh, the, the night before I stand in the bubble, in the book as well, I'm on the phone with my pastor. And I'm telling him, like, you don't understand how crazy this thing is going to be. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a coon. I'm going to be an uncle Tom. I'm going to be this, I'm going to be that. I hadn't signed my contract yet. So a lot of things were up in the air. And, um, but at the same time of standing there in the bubble and no, I wasn't, no, I wasn't making it about me. No, that I wasn't making it about politics or a side. I was making it about what can truly heal, which is Jesus. And so, um, so at the same time, yes, very empowering to see the encouragement and the people reading the book, saying how inspired they are and how much they love it and the story and all that is great. But at the same time, they were very terrifying moments in my life. Yeah. You mentioned uh, that you you hadn't signed your contract yet. There has to be
2: a moment before this goes on where you're thinking to yourself, I think this is the right thing to do. Yes. But it might blow up my career. I might I might I might ruin everything that I've worked for my entire life. I mean, W- were you comfortable with that risk?
1: Well, ultimately yes, because, <laughs> ultimately, yes cause, because I stood, but that was definitely a conversation that I had with the people around me, um, but at the same time a conversation that I had inside of myself. And I was saying, you know what, I, I know that this thing is the truth, and whether my career goes up in flames or not, um, I know that this is the right thing, and I know that it's what can truly heal the world because it's healed me. And so uh, I decided to go with it. But for sure, there was definitely those those moments and conversations with myself. It's like this thing it, it can go left very fast. You know, you had seen a bunch of people on Twitter get canceled and all oh, those yeah? different things that were going on. So. It was definitely scary. Well, it seems to me, from from an outside perspective, one of the reasons why
2: that didn't happen to you is because you handled it really well. Like you handled it with grace, you handled it calmly, you handled it with intellect. You didn't you didn't become this like outspoken person yelling insults at everybody. Right. You res- you not only re- asked for respect for your decision, but you also respected the other side.
1: Exactly. And I think that I think to your point, that's exactly a part of what would what, what help the situation. Um, I'm sure if I came out and was just like, you guys are all idiots <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for your, your position, that would be that would be the case. But it wasn't. But I, I, it was pretty much and even. I have a, a, a heated conversation with my teammates after I stood and, you know, we were able to land it. Look, you guys believed in what you were kneeling for but I also believe in what I'm standing for. And I respect you guys' decision to kneel. I didn't question it. And I just asked for that same respect in return. And, and it was the same thing with the vaccine, where it was like, you know, loving your neighbor is not just loving people that agree with you. It's loving people who don't. And so if you wanna get the vaccine, I respect your decision, but but don't 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 force me to do so.
2: Mm. Um, let me before, because the book is great. It's got all this detail behind it. People make, make sure you pick it up. It's something that you're really going to enjoy reading and reading all the background behind all the stuff that you've seen, uh, the, the true story behind what you've seen in, online um before we go you, you were injured you yeah. tore your acl right yes sir so you've missed two full seasons that's got to be tough to go through as an athlete like what's that experience been like and and do you think you're going to be back for the start of this next season i'm definitely
1: going to be back for the start of next season that's great um, that that is fantastic yeah. i'm excited about that uh but it was it was definitely very very tough you know right after like right when it happened mm-hmm. because uh, the game after I stood in the bubble was when I tore my ACL. It's and so that next game, and so that was tough. You know, there was another pile of negativity that was heaped onto everything, but I'm so glad that I had the people that I have in my life around me. And so Doc is huge. He's like the, the angel of the book and just giving me wisdom and insight. My fiance, which is now my wife at the time, um, uh, was, was there and helped me through it. But now that I can actually hold the book, I can look back and say, if I didn't get injured, there wouldn't be a book and I wouldn't have had time to write, I wouldn't have time to go through the process. And so being able to see, again, to hear people talk about how much it it encourages them to stand up for what they believe in, it, it makes it like, you know what, God, I can see I can see your will in it. I can see what you desire um, in it. And so, so yeah. Ah, that's great. It's an amazing message and a very important book. Jonathan
2: Isaac, the new book is Why I Stand. You can pick it up wherever you get your books right now. Jonathan, thanks for coming on, man.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. The, the last thing that I would say yeah. is that the book is so much more than just about, and I think you made a point about this as well, it's so much more than just standing in the bubble and refusing a vaccine. Yeah. It's about my story and my journey of how I battled anxiety, Fear, self insecurity, and how a relationship with Christ has helped me to get here. And so, I'm I'm not the guy who's always been courageous. I'm the guy who's been built in courage because I'm I believe that I'm standing on a solid rock. And so, so yeah.
2: That's it's it's an important message that everyone, especially in this time, really needs to hear. Jonathan,
1: thanks for coming on. Man. Thank you so much, Stu.
2: Definitely want to say thank you to everybody who tuned in on Friday for our big special Stu debunks gun myths. We've gotten a great response uh, so far. It's one of our biggest shows we've ever done. And we really do appreciate that because <laughs> the main thing is I want to make sure people get eyes on this information. It's hard to uh, to, to cut through all the nonsense that's on um, social media and on the mainstream media. So we wanted to give you kind of a place to go for that. And we really appreciate you tuning in. Hopefully everybody enjoyed hearing evidence based factual discussion as opposed to cynical, emotional manipulation. (laughs) I don't don't know. It's just the kind of thing that we do here every once in a while. Uh, If you happen to miss it, uh, look, things happen. Relatives come and visit. Cars explode for no reason. Eric Swalwell farts on live television. A lot of these things just go on, and you miss things that are happening in the world. That's okay. You can still check it out. Uh, Stu DeBunk's Gun Myths on Blaze TV, YouTube, and Facebook. You can enjoy, I'd say, about 75% of the show right there. Um, because there was uh, really too much to jam in there, so we did an extra, I don't know, was it 20, 25 minutes uh, on podcast. If you want an extra 20 minutes of debunkery, you can only do that on the Does America podcast page. or Go wherever you want for your uh, um, podcast. Uh, check out the full Unaltered show, Stu debunks gun myths. I uh, really do appreciate it, and hopefully you're able to use it as a resource to debunk your own idiot friends and their idiot opinions at every idiotic opportunity whenever you need it it's always there for you check it out on your platform of choice today and rate and review and subscribe to the podcast five stars is the appropriate number of stars we have some comments from the show uh, statistical stew at his best i hope everyone watching passes this along to family and friends and pastes the link in their social media glenn and stew bust their balls to get the truth out we should be helping otherwise it really is curtains for this country by the way yes i'm a blaze tv subscriber but i like messing with youtube algorithms <laughs> The left wants to play with the culture. I could do that, too. I love the spirit there. Um, As a Canadian suffering under Justin, oh gosh, I'm sorry. We need a program like this aired on mainstream broadcasting, but needless to say, common sense and rationality are contrary to mainstream Canadian news. Trudeau has said that the new laws do not target legal, licensed gun owners, but it literally only targets us as an RPAL, Restricted Possession Acquisition License, hmm, which allows me to own handguns. What a nice gift to the, by the Canadian government to you. Uh, I am literally subjected to daily criminal record checks. And in order to get my license, I had to take 16-hour safety course, then apply to the government with reference letters and affidavits from my wife, friends, and family members, exes too, if applicable, to swear that they are okay with me having a license. It's crazy strict, and it's only getting worse. There's going to be no guns at all left in Canada very soon. Uh, William says, Stu always lays it down in a no-nonsense way. Keep it up. I keep seeing these emotional pleas on Facebook on the Facebook page and they are BS. Yes, that's the biggest thing I wanted to get through on that special was people keep trying to hit you with emotion over and over and over again. And these things can be emotional and it's not wrong to feel emotional about such a terrible tragedy. But that's not how you build policy. That's not how you build a civilization. That's not how you govern. You don't govern through emotion. You have to suck that out and understand the facts of a situation and make sober decisions. It's so rare these days. Bo writes, Stu, you are very astute. Love your show. Thank you. Uh, Don't tell Glenn, but I enjoy you being on his radio show every day as much as I do him being on the show. I kind of like O'Reilly on Fridays too. Anyway, keep up the great work. And Brett writes, algorithmic engagement comment. (laughs) Uh, Keep up the great videos. This is true. If you comment like you hopefully are right now, in fact, you could comment that exact phrase, algorithmic engagement comment. That's all I need. That's, you can just keep saying that whenever you want to chime in. Algorithmic engagement comment. That is the most stew uh, listener thing I can imagine. Just your- <laughs> You're not even hiding it. It's an algorithmic engagement comment, enter. We do appreciate that. In fact, we should do this right now. Um, If you have not liked this video right now, let's all like it at the exact same time if you're on YouTube, and then the algorithms will think the most amazing thing that has ever occurred on any show happens right at this moment. Ready? Five, four, three, two, one, like. Father's Day is coming soon, and if you're like about, you know, just about everybody out there, you have no idea what to get the guy, because who knows, right? It's impossible to, to, usually like your dad has been around for a while, he's got pretty much everything he needs, you don't know what to buy them, you want to get him something cool, but you don't want to just get him the same old thing over and over again. Well, have you ever thought about getting him a really cool wallet? Uh, wallets are one of those things that your dad uses every single day. I know I do. I have to take out money all the time to pay for things. So why not get me a great wallet? This is not a personal appeal, by the way, to my dad children to get me a grip six wallet. No, no, I swear. This is me just talking to the audience on a normal live commercial. That's it. I swear. Grip six is awesome. I've talked to him, uh, talked to you about them a bunch of times. They make great belts and socks as well, but their wallets are really cool. They are really unique. They give you access to your cards in a kind of a cool way. They have an optional loop that makes it easy to pull out of your pocket. And it, they are the RFID blocking as well. It's really cool. Uh, they are made from American sourced leather and aluminum, and they have a light Lifetime guarantee, great Father's Day gift. Don't miss it. Grip6.com/stu. Use the code STU and save 40% right now. They want your dad to be hooked up, so they're saving you 40%. Grip the number six.com/stu. Grip6.com/stu. Get 40% off today. About 90% of Black voters voted for Joe Biden, supported him, um, and now. That is uh, really dropping pretty fast. About 60% now say black uh, that uh, he is keeping most of his major campaign promises. 37% of black voters now say that he is not. Uh, 7 in 10 approve of Joe Biden's job performance, but... Uh, only fewer than one quarter strongly approve. Now, these numbers are obviously the best story you could possibly tell Joe Biden. I mean, this is as good as it gets for him. However, this is a major drop off. And, you know, in reality, if we get to a midterm where the president of the United States, a Democrat, is getting only 60 or 70% of black voters, they're gonna get torched. (laughs) You can tell by their actions though. I mean, I keep telling this to people and I don't think I have to sell them anymore on this idea. They are in full-fledged panic, full-fledged panic right now over what 2022 is going to look like. And that's because of all the, the litany of catastrophes surrounding this presidency, and the fact that, like, you know, the normal inertia of a midterm election is usually bad for the president anyway. So they have everything working against them. And then they have you know candidates like Beto O'Rourke. They're trying to act like they like Stacey Abrams. I mean, this is not a good situation for them. Their best case scenario is that Republicans blow themselves up in the in the in the election. They're trying to do that to Herschel Walker in Georgia right now, trying to pressure him into making some big mistake. Um, And they are going to do the same thing with Dr. Oz. Dr. Oz, though, is going to be the candidate. This happened over the the weekend. Uh, David McCormick called him and uh, conceded the race and said, hey. Good luck with everything. Uh, now, of course, McCormick is very, very rich, so I'm, I'm sure his life will still wind up being uh, wonderful. Uh, so was Dr. Oz. So, whoever lost this race was probably going to have a better life than someone who won it. But <laughs> that being said, McCormick is uh, not going to be the nominee. It's going to be Dr. Oz. And Dr. Oz is one of those guys, you know, could have a lot of upside. Maybe he's fantastic. He's obviously a very good communicator, he's held an audience for a very long time. Um, you know, I, his conservative credentials make me nervous, frankly. Uh, but, you know, in Pennsylvania, maybe he could pull this off and maybe he has a big upside. That's the hope right now. At this point, you just need to win these races so you can stop Joe Biden from putting in a terrible Supreme Court justice if somebody leaves uh, or uh, passing more and more terrible, ter- terrible, terrible laws. We don't want any of that happening. You got to get the numbers on the Republican side. And if they can do that and do well and win races like this, there's a shot at a filibuster proof majority in 2024 for whoever the nominee is which could be game-changing so really important races we'll continue to watch them coming up on what is it july 8th i think it is another power hour Stu does power hour the 500th episode anniversary we announced it just a week or two ago. You can go to studaspowerhour.com, and there you can sign up if you'd like to come to the Power Hour live in studio, hang out with us, maybe have an adult beverage or two as you happen to watch us be idiots on stage. we we've reaching out, we're just starting to put the panel together now. Uh, I think a lot of our, our friends uh, that have been on past Power Hours will join us, maybe some new faces as well. If you want to suggest some uh, names uh, that you think people who might have fun, Uh, you know, doing this sort of nonsense, uh, feel free uh, at Stu Does America on Twitter or wherever you want. Um, So that'll be good. Don't miss it. StuDoesPowerHour.com. It's on July 8th. And don't miss uh, the show tomorrow. It's going to be a great one.